0: Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Say one word with me, then you can be seated, and that is trust. You can be seated. 2 Samuel, the 22nd chapter and the first verse. 2 Samuel 22 and 1. David spake unto the Lord the words of this song. Not all the songs are in the book of Psalms, as you know. This is one in Second Samuel, the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies. Brother, I'm going to tell you, that's a day you can sing when you reach that break over point that you get delivered out all the hands of your enemies and out of the hand of Saul, Amen. Thank God for it. Men, you know what I'm talking about. When the Lord blesses you to the point that the enemies are not always on your doorstep, you're certainly in a position to write a song. And this is the song that he gave. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Three things. My rock, my fortress, and then he has delivered me. Hallelujah. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I call, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall be saved from mine enemies. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. And he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. For who is God? Save the Lord. Who is a rock? Save our God. God is my strength and power. He maketh my way perfect. Isn't that good? Isn't God wonderful? Didn't David write a beautiful song? In fact, that whole 22nd chapter is a beautiful, wonderful chapter of praise and thanksgiving that David did to his God of thanking the Lord, that he had uh, trusted in the Lord and the Lord had brought him through. That sec- third verse THE GOD OF MY ROCK, THE GOD OF MY ROCK, IN HIM WILL I TRUST. Amen. I'M GOING TO TRUST IN GOD. HE IS MY SHIELD. HE IS THE HORN OF MY SALVATION, MY HIGH TOWER, MY REFUGE, MY SAVIOR. THY SAVEST ME FROM VIOLENCE. WHAT A MIGHTY AND A GOOD GOD WE SERVE TODAY. HALLELUJAH. And BY THE WAY, THANK THE LORD FOR THE POWER OF THE HOLY GHOST IN THE HOUSE ON WEDNESDAY NIGHT amen hallelujah hallelujah and brother nick that's going to get baptized tonight receive the holy ghost amen this he said i've never been baptized i don't know how to do this i said would you just come on we'll show you how brother nick amen and besides that we have two other in the spanish church that's going to be baptized this evening so you're going to witness a wonderful time in the lord this evening with three people going down in the name of jesus christ for the remission of all of their sins. And everybody clap your hands of thanksgiving to God for that wonderful victory. Amen. What a blessing it is today to trust in the Lord and have our hope in God. Amen. And uh, seek after him. You know, this is a difficult subject today. It's difficult for us to do this. It's difficult, we as humans, because the base Desire and drive of man is to control his destiny and take control. That, that's, that's, it, it started way back in the book of Genesis when man wanted to arise and he wanted to be a god and he became a little god. It started right then as his challenge against God. And that's what the devil painted to them and said, you know, the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to have knowledge and you're going to be as a, as a god. So it, it, that we fight, we all fight with that uh, every day. It, it was born in us to uh, want to control and uh, lean up on our own understanding and, and find security in this world and find direction of our, of our own doing. But I want to tell you, it takes God and we need God. Solomon, in the very end of his life, isn't this sad he had to come to the end to realize all this? Wouldn't it be wise if all of us could learn from the mistakes of other people and we wouldn't repeat what everybody else has done? It's wrong? Is that not why we're here on Sunday morning? It's not, not the reason we come on Wednesday night. Is because we can study the principles and the Bible characters and we can say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I don't ever want to do that. Amen, and find something good and say, yes, Lord, I want to apply that to my life. Can I hear an amen in the house today? And it was just really sad that such a great man as Solomon would have ended up saying these things. He said, two things have I required of thee. He said, deny me them not before I die. He said, this is only two things that I want to get down. He said, remove far from me vanity and lies and give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Feed me with food that is convenient. Then he tells us the reason, and here was the danger. He said, lest I be full, if I get too full, he said, I'll deny thee and say, who is that Lord anyway? What is that all about church and living for God anyway? I don't need that or less, I be poor and steal, and then I take your name of my God in vain. So he said, Lord, these are the two things that I hope I get before I die. Now, wouldn't it be good if all of us could get this early on in life? We wouldn't have to wait to the end, and we would just pray that prayer. Lord, remove from me vanity and lies, fake and phony and all that All those things, put that away from me. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me riches. But feed me with food that's convenient, Lord. Just let it flow and come to me what you intended for me to have. And the danger again is lest I get so full that I would deny Thee, and I'd ask that question, "Who is the Lord?" Or lest I get poor, I would be poor, and then that would cause me to want to steal and then I would be taking your name in vain. So somewhere between all of this is the right place for all of us to live and the right place to get. Can I hear an amen in the house? Amen. That's what God wants to help us with today. But the big, big challenge is to be able to trust in the Lord and lean not up on our own understanding. We want to figure it out. We want to control our destiny. Amen. We want to do it ourselves. But I want to tell you what God is calling for today. He's calling for a people that says, Lord, I trust you. I love that song that says, I still trust you, Lord. I still trust you. Amen. My hope is in you. My faith is in you. I just want to walk with you, God, and I want to do your will. I want to be faithful to you. What a good life. Amen. That when we can put that confidence and we can put our trust in the Lord, Leaning not upon our own understanding, but believing that God will order our steps, that the Lord will direct our path. Can I hear an amen in the house? Do you believe God's going to help us? Do you believe God's going to help us? Amen. All the way through this life journey that God will keep his hand upon us. I believe the good prayer and the good anointing that we have felt in the past that has carried us unto this day is the same good anointing and good help and hand of God that will carry us all the way to the end. Amen. I believe God is able to keep us and to lead us and guide us and to help us. What a faithful and wonderful God we serve today. The danger is this. Jeremiah spoke of it. When we do not trust in God, he said, Thus saith the Lord, Curse it be the man that trusteth in man and maketh faith Flesh, maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah said there is going to be a curse upon a man that trusteth in man. When you put your confidence in man, I want to tell you, you're on on sand and you're building your house on the sand. Isaiah, another great prophet, he said, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many, and the horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither they don't, even, they don't seek after the Lord. Hallelujah. Our hope today is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you lift up your hands and thank him right now together. Lord, our, tell him, Lord, our hope is in you. We want to trust in you and lean not upon our own understanding. Now, to bring us to the lesson today, there were the beginning of kings, as you very well know. The first king was Saul. Saul served Israel 40 years. He reigned as king. The second king was King David. He reigned for 40 years. And then his son reigned for another 40 years. David was such a man after God's own heart, and God loved David so much until he said, David, I'm going to tell you, uh, it's going to be your kingdom. It's going to pass down to your children, amen, as long as this earth lasts. your, Your children will inherit your throne, and you will be blessed mightily. I think about today the way the Lord wants to bless us. I told the men standing today in the prayer meeting over in the great hall, I said, what you're doing right now will bless your children. It will pass down to the next generation because you were standing here, because you were praying, because you were seeking God. Do you realize today because you're in this house today, you being in church and taking church serious today is going to bless you your offspring, and it's going to bless their offspring. It will bless your offspring, it will bless their offspring, and it will pass on down because somebody prayed and somebody sought God. And God loved this man so much that he said, I'm going to bless your house forever, David. It's going to be a throne forever. And of course it was that. And you know where it ended up? It ended up in the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. It, it was Jesus still on that throne, and he's on it today. But he was a part of that David's house. And, but when it passed from uh, David down to Solomon, Solomon reigned uh, uh, 40 years, and the total of that time that was reigned was 120 years. And then from Solomon, it passed to his son, Rehoboam, And that's where the trouble was at. The trouble was in the life of Solomon because he couldn't get balance. I remember and I pray, oh God, let it ring in my ears every day. Uh, My good uh, father-in-law, good brother Burr, uh, making that profound statement, he said the hardest thing I ever found in life was just to be balanced and just have temperance. And I think as I go along, Uh, how much I agree with that statement. How difficult it is to have balance in life and and keep everything in right perspective and right priorities and not lose track, uh, but uh, keep our focus on being saved and on doing right and at the same time do a good job with the natural things. And can I hear an amen in the house? How difficult all of that is but what a challenge it is for us. When Solomon received this great kingdom and uh, all the wealth that David had given to him, because God had blessed David so much, of course, he went out to the Amalekites and, and the Hittites and, and all the rest, the Philistines, and, and uh, he, he drove them out. They were sodomites. They were messed up and and they were living in God's land, camping on God's real estate uh, and God commissioned David. And David was such a great warrior and he put together such a great army. I'm telling you, it was like a lawnmower in front of grass. They could not withstand when he got there. I mean, he just marched through cities and marched through towns and drove out. Uh, all these uh, weird people and, and people that uh, were heathen and were against God and were living so ungodly and such immoral lives, uh, he took over thrones and kingdoms and he took real estate that God had promised Abraham. And not uh, along with that, they took the spoil. They went in and they took their gold and their treasures and their silver and he brought it all back to Jerusalem and he just stacked it up and kept stacking it up. And really there were two piles. There was one pile for the Lord and there was another stack of spoil that David had got from himself. And as you read, David took a lot of that that he had got for himself and put it over in God's stack. He was a giver. God loved David, and and God's hand was upon David, and, and God had blessed him mightily. And now he passes it down to a son that he begins right because he prays and he says, oh God, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may know how to come in and go out before this great people. If he could have, if he could have froze right there, if he could have locked that in his brain, if it could have stopped right there, if nothing would have ever changed about Solomon from that day, if he would have never allowed the success and the wealth and the riches and the treasures that he had received and then the fame abroad. The Bible said it went everywhere what Solomon had done and who Solomon was. If he could have some way just locked on to that and held on, I'm going to tell you what, it would not have been the trouble in the house of Israel that 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 came to the house of Israel. And how true it is with us today, church. Hear me preach to you today. I think about this church. I think about the history, and I think about the future of this church. The future of this church lies in people bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The people of God being bigger than other people and not being playing children's games with one another, but it takes big people to make a great church. It takes mature people to make a great church. Little people always say, you hit me, I'll hit back. You say something to me, I'll say something back but big people, they see the big picture and they say, oh no, we're not gonna do that. We will not participate in that. We love everybody. We love those that don't love us. We love those that talk about us. We love those that persecute us. We're gonna pray that God will do them good and will bless them and will help them. Is anybody in the house today? Does anybody hear the heartbeat of the Holy Ghost preaching and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that's in this house right now to help every one of us? It takes mature people, it takes big people, amen, to do the right thing when there's a little money involved when there's a young person and this one got that one's boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, and people still do the right thing and their focus right, and they love God. I'm gonna tell you what, you know what'll happen? This church will last for a long, long time. It will not stop in this building. Don't think for one minute this is the end of the history of the First Pentecostal Church. Can I tell you, it's just the beginning of the church right here local in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Hey man, if we can keep our focus and keep our direction. Oh, yes, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You can feel a witness of it as I preach to you today. But how foolish it can be that people can tear up their own lives. I I am convinced of this one thing, that we're all our worst enemy. When you look in that mirror, you're looking at what can mess your life. Nobody else can really mess up your life. You think they can, but they can't. Amen, they can't do anything. If you keep your focus, it does not matter what your companion does. It does not matter what your children do. It does not matter what your friends do. It does not matter what others to do. I'm gonna tell you, if you've got your focus, that I'm gonna to go to heaven, and I'm gonna live right in a perverse and wicked world. God will keep you. Come on, all the way in the back. Let me get some help all over this house today. Give us maturity, God. Give us strength, God. Give us a daily prayer life. Everybody say a daily prayer life. Everybody say a daily praying through. Yes, that is still the key, but it's so easy when you get full and you have been blessed. And that's what Solomon said. He said, I hope before I die that I can see this, that I can understand this, that I can come to grips with this and it will be a part of my life." A sad part about it, it was not true for him. As you know, as he went on and his fame got great, then he, he could not contain, he could not hold himself, he could not control his flesh, but he was overcome by his flesh, and he, didn't. he did not only build the most beautiful temple unto the great God Jehovah, But guess what poor old Solomon in his foolishness in his uh, latter years did? He didn't just build temple, the temple of Solomon, the temple of God. He built temples to gods. He had other little churches because of these heathen people that he had let into his kingdom. They touched his heart. He had the wealth, the money to do it. So he just donates money to everybody all over the place. He loses total focus of what he should have been doing and he builds temples to heathen gods where the heathens worship. Thank God for the United States of America, you can talk about freedom all you want, but I wanna tell you what, this country was based on God. It was based on the 10 Commandments. It was based on the Bible. We're not against no people, but this is not a Hindu nation. This is the nation, amen, that our forefathers feared God. And it's a sad day when a nation gets so wealthy that they want to try to just take everything in. Amen. Thank God for the truth. Well, how'd I get off that far? But it's good or it's right, all right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And because of these foolish decisions that he made, God said, okay, Solomon, you're not gonna get by either, big boy. You think you are, but you're not. 40 years, isn't it amazing how God, when God put things in motion, it just, he just lets it run its course. If you want to do wacko, he'll just let you run your course right on through. And then down to the end of the line, you meet God. He let Saul, Saul was only about halfway into his kingdom or less than that, Then, whenever he, he got off track, started messing up. But God let this man run another uh, 25 years or so. He reigned 40 years. And then David reigned 40. And now Solomon is going to reign 40. But God said, okay, Solomon. Amen. Because you've done this, I'm going to rent the kingdom away from you. But I'm not going to rent all the kingdom. He said, but I will give one tribe to thy sons. And of course, that tribe was Judah and Benjamin. He said, I'm going to give it to the son for David, my servant's sake. You know, I made him a promise that he'd have a throne in Jerusalem. Is God faithful? Amen. And for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. But he said, your son's not going to sit on that great throne. Rehoboram, that you've turned this kingdom over to. He's got trouble headed for him. And Rehoboram. He made foolish and bad choices as well. Uh, No doubt growing up feeling so arrogant, foolish. When it come his time to reign as king, he starts in and uh, he's trying to decide what his policies would be, uh, what he would do. So he has counseling. He counsels with the elders. They tell him one thing. He counsels with the young men. They tell him another. Guess who he listened to? He listened to the arrogant young men, and uh, they led him even farther astray. And because he made these foolish decisions, isn't it amazing how these spirits get passed down from Solomon to Rehoboam? But then, when it come to Rehoboam, when he made these foolish decisions, and the foolish decision was this: Man, we're going to wrong, we're going to uh, mistreat the people of God. We're going to lay heavier burdens. We're going to make greater taxes on them. Uh, we're going to make hardship on them than what they have been through, what my father has been through. We're going to make it that much more difficult. The elders said, "Real Borm, you don't need to do that. If you'll be good to the people, the people will be good to you and they'll serve you and you'll just have a great time together. Uh, You know, there's always somebody trying to put a nickel in you. I want to tell you, they'll mess up your kingdom. They'll mess up your home. They always want you to be strong-armed and mean-spirited. And, boy, get them. Of course, when it comes to them, don't ever get them. Just get them other people. Get them old bad ones. That's who you need to get Pastor. Well, I sell two or three Smile but I'm still preaching to you. You see what you don't understand about the heart of a pastor, he loves everybody. He even loves you when you mess up. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. Where would any of us be if it had not been for mercy? If God would have dropped the axe at the right time in all of our lives, there would not be one person in this building today, including the pastor. So don't be long-suffering. Don't be patient with anybody. I mean, just rehoboam, just go after them. Man, just be mean. I mean, just work them over. I mean, take control. Woo! You know, uh, uh, just, just rule with an iron rod. And when he did, there were 10 tribes that just said, No, we're not gonna do this. And of course, it was the hand of God, but it it all came through. Somebody said that God willed all that. No, God's never willed all these things. He could have brought judgment on Israel a million other ways. Do you understand that? Somebody said God just made them. No, God didn't make them do nothing. They could have made the right choice, just like you and I could make the right choice. It's not the will of God that any should perish. Somebody say you're preaching, pastor. Yeah, it's not the will of God for you to mess up your life. You don't have to jump track. Get on track and stay on track. God hadn't predestined for you to go to hell and to be lost just because even your fathers, he's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's got a lot of ways of dealing with things. Rehoboam didn't have to do something stupid like he was doing for God to bring judgment on Israel. It was just a convenient way. And God allowed it to be so when this arrogant young man took over the throne of his father Solomon because Solomon's mind was twisted up. Then Rehoboam's mind was twisted up. So he, uh, Israel came together and it came to pass that when Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, they, they sent and called for him and to the congregation and made him king over all of Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah. Now, when you study the, the life of Jeroboam, the Bible tells us about him. He was a mighty man of valor, uh, meaning he was very diligent. He was a hardworking man. Uh, he was, the Bible said that Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious. I don't think that word is again in the Bible anywhere, but it says it about Jeroboam. And that's, you know, I could stop there and preach a while. He was industrious, meaning diligent, hardworking young man. And he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. When When Solomon seen Jeroboam, this young man, Nabat was his daddy. Who's ever heard of that name? Uh, you, don't, you don't find it. It wasn't famous. It wasn't in the lineup through Abraham. But God stepped out of the line and said, uh, you know what, uh, Jeroboam, I'm going to use you, and my hand's going to be up on you. God's a good God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, your father could do wrong. And if you've got it in your heart to do right, God will honor you because you've done right. Nabat was the father of Jeroboam. He, he didn't have the blessed honor of, uh, of uh, being like Solomon growing up and saying, David was my dad. And, and uh, He didn't have that honor. Nobody knew. You don't even find the name anywhere else in the Bible. It just, this is the only small little glimpse that we really get of Jeroboam. It just says that he was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious. And he made him then ruler over that one tribe to take charge of the house of Joseph or that one tribe because he was industrious. Amen. And God's uh, hand was upon him. And then they made him king over Israel. It was a prophet of God that came along. Ahijah was his name. That called a new garment that was on Jeroboam. He took his coat off of him. He pulled his coat off of Jeroboam and then he tore it in 12 pieces and he handed Jeroboam 10 of those pieces and uh, two of them representing the other two tribes, Judah uh, and Benjamin. And he said, this is what God is going to do to you. Way before it happened, God had already showed him what he was going to do and how God was going to rent the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and give him 10 tribes oh, what a mighty God we serve. You may look today and look at things and say, oh, it looks so impossible and the mountain looks so tall. Don't ever lose your vision. Don't ever lose your dream. Don't ever lose what God can do in your life. The devil's a liar. Young ladies, young men, you can be strong. You can do something noble and wonderful in the kingdom of God. He's a mighty God. He's looking for hands that are available. He look, he's looking for a heart that's right. He's looking for a heart that wants to walk with God and serve him. So this prophet gave him those 10 pieces representing those 10 tribes and said, I'm going to give them to you. Then he said, one tribe for my servant David's sake. He even told Jeroboam, he said, I'm giving this tribe for David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I've chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Howbeit, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hands but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David, my servant's sake, whom I chose. Because he kept, why did you do this, Lord? Because he kept my commandments and my statues. But I will take the kingdom out of the hand of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. I'm going to give to them. I'm going to take ten, but I'm going to keep two for David's sake. And then the people called together and they made uh, Jeroboam king over Israel. I just want you to understand, uh, you know, you've probably heard and read the story and read the name and heard of Jeroboam a number of times coming to church. I just wonder if you understand today or understood before that it was the hand of God. God did that. God gave that, he didn't steal that kingdom. He didn't take it away from Israel, God gave Jeroboam those ten tribes. God intended for him to be king and to rule over uh, those people that that God had given to him. And then he goes on to give him a promise. Listen to it. This is what God said to Jeroboam: "It shall be if thou will hearken unto all that I command thee and will walk in My ways." and do that that is right in my sight and keep my statues and my commandments as David, my servant, did, that I will be with thee. And listen to the next thing he promised him. And build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. Everybody say glory. Everybody say hallelujah. Now think about it. Think about what God did. God said, Jeroboam, if you will heed or if you will listen to my commandments and you'll walk in my ways and you'll do what's right in my sight as David, my servant, did. Your your dad was Nabat. You're completely out of the bloodline. But if you will do what's right and if you will stay with me, I'm telling you, Jeroboam, I will do what I did for David. I will build thee a sure house. Do you know anybody else in the Bible that was promised a sure house other than David? It was only David that had that promise from God. But God loved this young man so much that he he said, as I did for David, I'm going to do for you. If you will walk with me, my hand will be upon you. I'm preaching to you today, trust. Everybody say trust. You've got to trust in God and lean not upon your own understanding. This walk is a walk by faith. Right. Somebody said, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. I can tell you how you're gonna make it. You're gonna stick with God and God's gonna stick with you. And if God says you're gonna make it, all hell can't stop you from making it. Woo, that's enough to shout about. That's enough to thank God about. Oh, hell! Brother Holmes, you don't understand. I'm afraid of the economy. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. You don't have to be afraid of anything. You know, you see that sign, no fear. Amen. But they're not talking about what we're talking about. Amen. Hallelujah. We have no fear of what the devil can do if we'll stay with God and we'll walk with God. What a blessing it is. God gave him this. God set him up. See, it begins with this. Do you believe God has done for you what's been done in your life? Do you believe that God has helped you to where you're at today? Amen. That's where the trust and the faith starts with. Amen. Your choice, the choices you've made, the decisions you've made to serve and to live for God, has it not come about because... Uh, that you made that choice and made right choices? Why would you lose your faith today? You know, i, I, I tell you what. I, I don't want to touch nothing in my life. I don't want to mess with nothing. I don't want to fool with anything. I mean, when you, I mean, when it's been this good, I don't want to stop praying one day. I don't want to stop my fast day. I don't want to stop going to church. I don't want to stop treating people right. I don't want to fool with nothing. I don't want to fool with none of the little G's, little g o d s of the world. I don't want to take no chances. I'm just praying that God don't let it happen to me subconsciously or consciously. Because I know you can think you're at one place and you're really at another. And it's very difficult to see yourself, friend. Because whenever now I preached to you last Sunday really from this same thought, and I entitled this Don't Mess Up Your Kingdom. God has given you a kingdom. You may not see yourself as Solomon, but you are Solomon. You may not see yourself as David, but you're a David today. God has given you whatever you have is your kingdom, and God has given it to you. Why would you mess it up, Solomon? Why would you change horses? Why would you change directions? Why would you try to tweak it anyway or fool with it anyway? And that's where Pentecost much is at today. They think they can improve on what's already been. They're never going to improve on a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. I don't care what they do. There's only one way to touch God. That's on your. That's the only way. How did you get the Holy Ghost? How did you get to where you're at? How did you reach these breakover points? Were you born in this church with breakover points? No, you wouldn't. It's the good hand of God that picked us up financially, spiritually, mentally, picked us up and led us. And Jeroboam, if you'll just do what's right. Like I was with David, like I was even with Solomon in his backslidden ways, I'll be with you and I will give to you what I promised that I would give to David. I will give you a sure house. Everybody's looking for something that's rock solid. You sleep better at night when you know it's rock solid. Your food tastes better when you know it's rock solid. When you're on vacation, you you enjoy vacation better when you know it's rock solid. When you know God is with me and I'm with God, I'm going to tell you there's nothing better in life than that. When you have that peace and that confidence, the key to a Christian life is living without condemnation. If it is condemning you, you need to kick it out. You need to pitch it out. You need to throw it out. You need to get as far away from it as you can get. You need to quit pushing it and pushing over your conscience and trying to make yourself believe it's right. Your conscience, that little voice just keeps speaking and you come to church and it's reconfirmed. You see it and God deals with you. Hey man, quit justifying. Say, Lord, I want to do your will. Well, do I have any believers in the house today? Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. What a mighty God we serve. What a great God we're living for today. Jeroboam, just stay with God, and if you will stay with God, God will stay with you. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And here's Jeroboam. Now listen to this. I want you to hear this, and this was not the reason. This was the excuse to do what he wanted to do. You could not have been through all that. All he would have had to have done is run back and picked up those 12, 10 pieces of little cloth or big pieces that he got. The prophet of God just took his coat off of him and grabbed it and began to rip it apart and ripped it in 12 pieces. And then he handed him 10 pieces back and said, here, Jeroboam, just like I've given you those 10 pieces, that's what, it was long before it happened, That's what's going to happen to you. God's going to give you 10 tribes of Israel. Impossible. God can't do this. David's too strong. Solomon's too strong. But I want to tell you, when God says, I can do it, you better just write it down. No way it can happen. Oh, yes, there's a way it can happen. There's a way anything can happen in this house. Don't you get overconfident, overconfidence and think, man, it happens to other people, but I'm smarter than that. That's the arrogancy that's in your head that needs to come out today. You ain't smarter than that. It can happen all Jeroboam would have had to done is went back and picked up those ten pieces and laid them all out and looked at them and said this is what God done and it has now come to pass but instead of Jeroboam doing this because he had evil in his heart you know what he said Jeroboam said in his heart now shall the kingdom return unto the house of David If this people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again into Rehoboam, the king of Judah. That was a lie. He could have let all the people went back to Jerusalem as often as they should have went. And God would still preserve his kingdom. But because he could not trust in the Lord and because his heart was not right with God, I'm going to tell you what happens. Before people want evil, leaders want evil. <clears throat> Long before a nation goes bad, a nation's leaders go bad. Long before a church goes wrong, a pastor goes wrong. All that has to happen is just the man of God getting to want the things of the world, and he can turn a whole church away from God. See, the challenge is not to pull people down. Anybody can lessen your convictions pretty easily. If you're not really strong and real stable, anybody can pull you down. But the challenge is to reach and take somebody and pull them. Where you don't talk like you used to talk, and you don't go to the places you used to go, and you don't dress like you used to dress. Why? Because you heard the preaching of the Word of God. Because the pastor understood the Bible and the principles of the Word of God, and that if you'll keep his commandments and his statutes and obey him, then it's going to be a prosperous house and people are going to be blessed. But then, when you reach those breakover points of victory and of success, that's when trouble breaks out, Jeroboam. That's when problems and and you've you've got wrong feelings in your heart. You're lusting after the wrong things and you're making up all these reasons why people, it is amazing, isn't it? Reason we can't have church on Wednesday night. Reason we can't have church on Sunday night. Coming up with all these good excuses of why not to do what we need to do. All the reasons why people shouldn't be prayerful daily and reading their Bible, coming to church. Amen. You're not going to find them here, brother, by the help of God. We're going to give you a thousand reasons why you should. Why you should come and pray. Why you should be at church. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, is there any victory in the house? Why we should do what we are doing. Amen. I mean, somebody just the other day was telling me, Pentecostal church preacher got up and, and told people, said, to, you know, uh, he's going to stop Sunday night service and uh, he compared it years ago when they changed uh saturday night service amen so just have service on on sunday it's just the convenience of the flesh that way you don't miss the super bowl if you don't have church on sunday you don't have to compete with that spirit that's right but, but when you got the biggest bowl in the world going in North Little Rock, Arkansas. It's called the FPC Bowl. We, we're bigger than the Super Bowl. We're the Super Super Bowl. Woo, is it all right, Brother Hardin? Devil's still alive. He's lied to a bunch of people. He's deceived a bunch of people. Now, I'm gonna tell you, if I could got everybody to stand, I would have stopped preaching. So y'all go ahead and stand. Well, I may preach a little more. You know, y'all are pretty slow about getting up. Yeah. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Jeroboam, how on earth could you be so foolish? Amen. And then he he told them, he said, Wherefore the king took counsel? He had him a he had him a cabinet. He had him some counselors. He called in some men. He said, What shall we do about this? And when these men got together and figured it out, helped him figure it all out, you know what they said? They said, Make two calves of gold. And say unto the people, Get up there and preach to them and tell them, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Now, from, from Bethel to Jerusalem, it was only about. How many of y'all remember us being in Jerusalem? Huh? On the trip to Israel. I wish, the Lord, let us go back again. Well, let me tell you, when you got to Bethel, somebody had to tell you you're now in Bethel because they're so close together. You didn't know when you got out of one in the other. But he said, It's too much. I mean, you've already traveled all these miles, but it's too much trouble. For you to just go a little farther down there to Jerusalem. You can just stop right here in Bethel. And notice what he did, the clever thing. They had already; their, their forefathers had already had one calf. He gives them two calves. And he sets one of them up in Bethel, just at the city limits almost of Jerusalem. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. You know what is the saddest thing? People almost get there. They're just about that far from going on and doing what they should have done. And the devil stops them in in Bethel from doing the will of God. They almost get there. See, the devil don't care whether you miss this thing a thousand miles or one mile. He's just wanting us to miss it and Jeroboam was a clever thing, and they had this big old board meeting, and they got all these compromisers around, and they all made this big compromise. Man, we're fixing to reach the world and the city. Woo, woo, woo. We're going to do big and bad things, friend. When we do this, I'm telling you, woo. No, you're just trying to put an approval on television that it will be an acceptable thing. What you should be preaching against. Internet, chat rooms, trash, garbage. You're making up some big lie about evangelism. You're not gonna evangelize. The greatest evangelism in this city are you people. When you go out of this church and you let your light shine and you act like you should act, and you act like a Christian, and you're bigger than oh, they got my clothes a little wrinkled and they did this and and you act like a child. It doesn't matter how much you try to tell people what you are. They see us in small things. Come on, church. Come on. Help us, God. Help us, God. How foolish can we be? Amen. But we're going to do big, bad things. No, Jeroboam, you're not going to do big, bad things. You know what you're fixing to do, Jeroboam? You had a sure house. Everybody say a sure house. Say it with me again. Would you like a sure house? Where are you living, Brother Holmes? I'm living in a sure house. Where are you living, saints? We're living in sure houses. What are you sure about? I'm sure God's going to be with us. Sister Chapman, gas can go to $6 a gallon. And I'm just so absolutely sure that God will make a way. Well, how are y'all going to get to church then? Just like we've always been getting to church. Sure house. The economy's going to shut down. Our economy's not going to shut down. Hey, Uncle Sam don't control the windows of heaven. He don't raise them and close them on the children of God. When Uncle Sam's windows are closed, I'm going to tell you God can channel it to you and the windows of heaven can be opened. What you living in? I'm living in a sure house. Why why are you so sure about this sure house? Well, yesterday I prayed. day before I prayed. I made the right choices. I've got my flesh riding in the back seat and I got the Holy Ghost at the steering wheel. It's driving my life. And this old flesh is like a two-year-old child in the back seat. Every once in a while it screams and kicks and carries on. But that's just the flesh. You just realize that's just the flesh. I mean, that's just what it's supposed to do. Amen. But it'll be all right. It's not going to get controlled because it's too far away from the steering wheel. Prayer keeps the flesh a distance between the steering wheel. And as long as flesh don't get its hand on the steering wheel, Brother Mark, we can be saved. But whenever flesh gets up in the driver's seat and you put this Holy Ghost in the back seat, there's going to be a train wreck every time. There's going to be a head-on collision every time. You're going to lose the whole load and it will not be a sure house. Church, I'm preaching to y'all today something I have never thought about. God gives me a lot of thoughts when I'm praying. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost has laid this on my heart as I'm standing before you today. I want a sure house. I want a sure marriage. I want a sure companion. Well, you know you can't control other people, and you can't make other people do what? Anything. But I tell you what, the Lord can control your life when you do right. think about it. Think about how foolish the flesh can be. Jeroboam, you got the kingdom, man. Woo! Some way, God's taken a liking to you. You were faithful. You were industrious. You was up. You were working. You were doing your best. And some way, heaven just took a liking to you. You can have it. Just do the right thing. And it's going to be just as sure as David's house. Amen. Satan, you're a liar. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Will he do it? You better believe he'll do it. Amen. Could I just take another second and tell y'all that, amen, 16 years old, I felt the call of God in my life to preach. And when I was beginning to preach, you can imagine me. You can imagine what kind of preacher I was. Of course, I knew a whole lot more then than I know now. That was one thing I had going for me. A whole lot more. It's taken me this long to realize how much I didn't know. But I was in uh, Louisville, Indiana, preaching at Gus Anderson, Brother Gus Anderson's church. He pastored. He's already passed on. And I was 16 years old. And mother and daddy went home. It snowed. Of course, that wasn't unusual in uh, Louisville for it to snow. But I was left alone. AND I REMEMBER BEING AWAKENED EARLY IN THE MORNING. THEY LIVED ADJACENT TO THE CHURCH. THEIR HOUSE WAS ACTUALLY CONNECTED TO THE CHURCH. AND I REMEMBER BEING AWAKENED AT FIVE EVERY MORNING. AND GET UP AND PRAY AND GO DOWN TO THAT CHURCH AND PRAY. AND I REMEMBER THE WORDS THAT I SAID AND I'VE USED THEM EVER SINCE. I said, God, I'm just 16 years old, and you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be so rich and strong in my life that we watched over 28 people baptized in Jesus' name in about two weeks, and over 50 people had testified to the Holy Ghost. And I said, Lord, I'm just a boy. And I'm going to tell you, I'm 58 years old now, and I'm more of a boy than I was then. I need his help. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And God has been faithful. He has built me a sure house. And God wants to build you a sure house. Get your head out of pornography. Get your head out of trash. Get your mind out of the garbage. Oh, Brother Holmes, I'm human, I'm human too. All those stupid thoughts go through all of our minds. You're no exception. You just gotta be a good fighter. You just gotta be a good fighter. You just gotta be a good fighter. You just gotta do what's right. And you gotta trust in the Lord and lean not upon your own understanding. Walk down to this front right now with your hands lifted up toward the Lord. Come on, church. Amen. Join me for prayer, and then we'll be dismissed, if you will. Amen. Come out of the mezzanine, everyone, right down to this front, and we're going to pray together. Oh, righteous God, I thank you for a sure house. I thank you for your faithfulness. Oh, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh God, oh God, oh God. You know what I want us to do right now? I want us to pray that we would never lose our humility and our humbleness. Man, I want to tell you, you better watch those little spirits that get on you. Because you've reached certain breakover points financially. Don't do it. Don't be foolish. Don't throw it all away and start making those stupid excuses of why you can't be faithful and you can't live for God. And it's too much. Don't be silly. Let God build you a sure house. <laughs> Keep up what he's already done in your life. Why would you want to throw it away? Why would you want that little edge of arrogancy and, hey man, self-sufficiency to get a hold of your heart and mess up your mind? Come on, if it's important for me to be at prayer meeting tonight, do you think it's gonna be important for you to be here? Amen. you think prayer is important? Have you, Have you lost your vision? Have you lost your direction? Oh yes, God. This Talk to us. Away. Talk to us, God. Hallelujah. 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 And when I don't know yes, Lord. Which Come on, church. To yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Lord. So let me hold to your hand. Come on, everybody, sing it and close it here today. Come on, everybody, I, I still trust, trust You, Lord. Lord. I still. Still I still trust, trust you, Lord. Lord. I still, I still trust, trust you. Lord. Do you still trust Lord. in young people? No. Don't walk away from God. God. service this evening at 6 o'clock, why don't you join me around these altars and let's travail in the Holy Ghost.